Hello, I'm Harry Sewell and welcome to the Seasoning the Reasoning podcast. Reasoning is a term used in Jamaica when people share a conversation and deeply explore a matter of mutual interest. In this series of podcasts, we hope to season the reasoning with curiosity, intellect, and in some cases, humor. Enjoy. Welcome to episode eight of the Seasoning the Reasoning podcast. I'm Harry Sewell. My special guest and dear friend today is Sammy Switch. Sammy is half Tunisian and half Irish and is a songwriter, rapper and poet from Reading. He is signed to BMG Publishing and has current writing credits on various chart songs, including an official chart number three with Wes Nelson, See Nobody. After releasing three bodies of work, Carpe Diem, Montemori and Solace, we can see he's got an incredible understanding of the way words work and how to play with them. His lyrically layered experiments need to be peeled like an onion. His viral poem, Ocean of Pain, deciphering and exploring his mental health, opened up work with mental health charities and blogs and is part of his work. Sammy has also worked with young refugees and a charity, Phosphorus Theatre, to build confidence in storytelling, poetry and rapping. This led to Phosphorus Theatre touring their shows all around the UK and winning awards at Edinburgh Fringe Festival. His feet are firmly planted on the ground, but that doesn't stop him from taking any track sky high with his vigour and penchant for verbal assault. He is currently working on releasing his fourth project, Expected, for summer 2021. All right, yeah, so Sammy, it's good to see you again. Haven't What's seen up? you for a long time. What's up, brother? How you doing? Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. It's good. so, so good to have this opportunity to I talk with you. I missed you, man. I wish this wasn't for a screen. I wish you I know that. Me. You know that. <laughs> it's been, I haven't like bumped into you in town and given you a big hug for I a know. time. We used Do to you know? always, but whenever we bumped into each other, we'd stop and hug for like five minutes people must have been like what is going on here? Do, do you remember that time in purple turtle when when like it was a surprise i was there and yeah, it was just i went i went off <laughs> i just, ah, ran up and grabbed you and everyone was trying to talk to me and you and we're like leave me alone we have to have this catch up that was amazing no, no, it's good. And as you say, soon we'll be able to link up properly. But yeah, you know, I've just, funnily enough, today is the day when I've launched a series. It's called um, Seasoning the Reasoning. Um, okay, so, yeah. So, you know, we're just going to be exploring a number of issues. And, you know, one of the things I know about you is your work is diverse. Of course, music is where you spend your time and um, your energy and your focus. But I'm also aware that you've done work with asylum seekers and refugees and I'm kind of hoping we can explore what that's about. Yeah. And I also know some of your songs, your spoken word, the one that, um, as we say in the industry, the one that busts you, um, Ocean of Pain, yeah. um, kind of was a real exploration for quite a young man of um, you know, masculinity and being emotional and mental health. Let's start with that. How, okay. how did you get to write Ocean of Pain? 
It's really interesting that you say that, man, because I just came over to my brother's house and mm. his brother's, my brother's friend here, Steve was here and he was saying that he is into poetry and he's, he referred about my poems. And he said to me, the thing is about you write your, your the thing you're most scared of. Mm. And you're not going to believe this, HR. He said, the thing you think you write the line that you're most scared of. And I said, I saw that this morning on Andrea Gib- Gibson's Facebook. Oh. You know, the poet that you bought yeah, me yeah, yeah. and showed me. Yeah, and he was yeah. like, so did I. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh. The last, for the last 40 minutes, we've been watching her poems. Oh, and, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Rudy Francisco and all these, like, he opened it. Mad. Um, but, yeah, basically, I was in a bad, bad place. I was young. It's weird when you say a bad, bad place when you're young because you, as you're older, you're like, how bad really was it? But when you're, you feel, you really feel it as a human, no matter what age you are. And I think, luckily for me, I had friends that were, we used to write a lot of raps and share with each other. So it got into a place where I was like, I just wrote this poem because I was breaking down and I needed to vent. And my only way of venting was to write at that time. I mean, luckily for me, I went and me and my friends were partying all night and it got chilled and they were like, so what are you working on? This is, I must've been 17, 18. And I said, I've got this and I showed it to them. And they said, stand up, perform it and put some music on in the background. And they made me do it about 10 times. They were like, that's insane. You've got to record it. And I was like, it's too personal, man. I don't know if I can record it. But eventually called a friend and went and did it in Portsmouth um, while I was living out of a bag and moving around. It was very, it was very whatever. It wasn't planned, basically. I was like, I'm coming to Portsmouth, man. I know you've got a camera. I've got a poem. Oh, wow. It, was kind of, it wasn't really, it's, I was, vis- I was visit- visiting Liz. Okay, oh, nice. And mm. I knew that a friend of mine did film in Portsmouth. Mm. So I was like, do you want to come and film this poem I wrote mm. when I was messed up? Oh, <laughs> and he had the creative direction. He made it epic. I just was just like, I had. No, 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 no. Take credit where credit's due. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was, I mean, you've seen, I haven't been on there and looked at the numbers, to be fair. What's it saying right now? Boys, I, I have no idea, to be honest. I know. <laughs> I'm the same, I'm like, I try to live in the present. If I look at the past, I worry about yeah my progression. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, nice, man. That's incredible. That really is incredible, that's a story. And it's kind of interesting because I always associate your introspection and your kind of more i don't want to sensitive but anyway the kind of more emotional side as something that you've developed into as you got older but you was it 15 you were 15 when no, no but when i wrote ocean of pain i was probably 18 17 18, 18. 18 yeah you look very young still but um yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um yeah and it's like i know that those times the names the moniker sammy switch to switch yeah was for a reason a hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, yeah, um, because I, I guess, like, you know Redden, right? And you know, you know, the, you, yeah, you're a guru in the ends, man. You know everyone, you know, you know the hood guys, you know. And I, <laughs> if you walk through town with you, everyone knows who you are, innit? It's one of them ones. But you know how it is growing up in this area. And I didn't give myself the name Switch. Someone else did. As a, this is quite, uh, personal thing to be honest but I got yeah I got beat up a couple of times in in year seven or eight when I was in high school high school <laughs> and um 
you learn to fight back essentially and you group great friends that fight back and then as soon as i realized i could fight back it became a a bit of a problem because i would fight back to the smallest altercation so my friends would be like right stop switching they'd be like they called me switch essentially um and then become like as soon as i kind of come into any confrontation i would always instead of being the victim become almost the proprietor of the problem do you know what i mean and yeah not nothing that i'm proud of but just that was the situation yeah yeah and so i can see like this paradox that as a young man you've got this kind of sensitivity you talk about um you you're down you're depressed you're kind of you know struggling you used poetry and spoken word to kind of deal with that whilst doing something that isn't considered to be like typical manly stuff yeah whilst yeah. at the same time if someone wanted to bring it you'd bring it yeah, um, yeah. and hold in both worlds i mean what was that like well this i think this is where the the, the thing is that area of my life where i was called switch and known as that was maybe 15 14 15 16 17 it's a bit hard man my memory is a bit <laughs> but that was definitely the area and then afterwards because my name was known as switch in reading i made my facebook name sammy switch right just because i didn't want my government name on facebook essentially and um then everyone recognized me as that but when i was switch i didn't have the kind of vulnerability oh i definitely had the vulnerability but i didn't uh, respond in the same way I responded naively I responded with anger and tension and misunderstanding and if someone came up to me or me or my friends and created confrontation you'd be the answer that needed to be punished instead of understanding slowly as you grow every pair of eyes is a soul with trouble and slowly as I grew to these ideas from my own trauma my own understanding my own troubles through wisdom essentially I guess it's very hard to to hate or to be violent towards another when you kind of understand that we're all in the same bubble. Um, but that name stuck, which I which I which I keep mainly because it keeps the history of my novel essentially. Um, but it's a yeah, it's definitely a. It doesn't, yeah, it's definitely an oxymoron now, as you know me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, it's very hard for me to hate or be violent or to, to switch, essentially. Um, but I've actually forgot what the question is. I'm going... No, 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 no. I, I, was, I was just sitting here, you know, I was just sitting here kind of thinking, if anyone hasn't yet gone and found your material and they listen to the podcast... And they're probably thinking, oh, this guy should write. He's so eloquent and he's got such weird words. <laughs> he does write. That's what he does. He's a performing artist. He raps. He can sing. He, he the spoken word. Um, he uses words creatively, as you can tell. Um, but no, um, I loved the point just now when you hesitated and you said you weren't vulnerable. And you said, yes, you were vulnerable. And I think that if we could capture that, for young people, the kind of essence of behind the bravado, behind that kind of, you know, whatever it is that people think they need to portray, is still that vulnerability and it might be cocooned um, you know, with this hard shell, but 
there's no amount of cocoon in it that makes it go away because that's part of our humanity, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it's. I think it's just genuinely the. As you're younger, you don't understand. As you say, cocoon. You don't understand that. I don't know this oneness. This idea maybe that some people have of God or the universe or this depthness of depth of soul that we're all connected in some in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're younger, it's tribe against tribe. It's like I'm a, I'm with this gang, you're with this gang. I'm two different people. It's animalistic. It's youthful. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna protect this tribe and get my respect. It's all a game essentially. Where now I understand the oneness and I understand there's there's love and there's truth and there's there's so much depth that's bigger than even my understanding or knowledge that I can sit with any human or if I, there's any other which disputes happen I've been in the club I'm sure you've been the same disputes have happened at this age or in the last six months or whatever or year and when it occurs when I was younger I would punch you in your face but now I'm like but like are you sure like I'm sorry it's, I've got love but I'm also like I'm not gonna back down, but like I can do. I'm like looking at you with a serious eyes, being like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not. It's a. It's a different world. It's a different world now. Um, I, when you're a kid, you don't know that. You don't know that. You literally go straight to I'm the man. Now I'm like I don't care if I'm the man or not. I'd rather just have the best day possible. How can I resolve this uncomfortable scenario? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's so that's so beautiful. I was talking with um Kian Mile, um international um ex England rugby player, wasp rugby player, um who had his own kind of challenges. It's documented in um the media and the Guardian if you want to look him up. Um, but we're kind of talking about masculinity and saying, you know, what this kind of reflective approach does, it gives us more possibilities that you know, if you if you want to just be that guy. It's like you're stuck in like in everything. It's like all you've got to go to is kind of being this hard nut. And it's like, it's limiting. And when people kind of say, oh, well, you know, are you still a real man? And the kind of challenge. To me, I think we're being more expansive because you're yeah. creating more possibilities. To me, that's as real as you can get. Everyone wants breadth and wealth in everything else. And then when it comes to aspects of themselves, they want to shut it down and limit it. It's yeah, kind of yeah. bizarre, right? A hundred percent. 100% man this is the thing about I don't know masculinity it's like some of my friends that I was in the area with where I would be so defensive and would be in this area that might still be kind of in that area and I meet a lot of them on the road or in different hoods or studios and places I go the natural response is to make sure that you're still the man in the room you're still the you know what I'm saying this is my zone this is where i'm at and the fact is actually i come in i'm so okay with myself now well in certain aspects i'm so okay with myself socially my mental health and everything can go everywhere but i'm so okay with myself i can go into a hood scenario which literally happened two weeks ago and everyone's and I'm there and I straight away, and you know me, Harry, I'm a fool, innit? I'm like, what's up, bro? I'm like playing games. They, someone says something to me, I banner off with them. And by the end of it, 
all of these guys that straight away were looking at me like, why are you in my friend's house? Attending to like my friends. They're like freestyling, we're scatting, we're clapping, we're clapping off each oh, other's nice. chests. We're doing silly games, all this stuff. Because as soon as they realized that I didn't, I wasn't like, hey, I'm being masculine too. I didn't care and I was being an idiot. I think at one point I did the stupid joke where I like pulled on my trousers and showed that I wasn't, I don't know, there was something stupid. Like this guy doesn't care, so we shouldn't care. Instantly yeah. the masculinity went down. If I walked in like, I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah. Then they would be like, I'm the boss. This yeah, masculinity yeah. is a weird one, especially in this age, because it, I don't know, I don't know how important it is. I don't know how important it is for society's growth. I don't know. I don't know. It's a very deep question. When no, you... it's a, it's for me, that is the question. Like how important it is and how relevant, how relevant is it for us to portray some kind of alpha male persona? Um, you know, is that important for driving down the road? Is it important for us to be on zoom meetings by being the alpha male? I mean, what's its use? <laughs> what's is its it, what is the thing? Is it, is attractive? Is attractive? To, to to females I guess or in some ways but also one of the things that my girlfriend loves about me is that she knows that I can if someone tried to rob our house I'd be at the door and I'd be cool but also that I'll cry in her arms if I'm having a bad time that's one of the things that she loves about me so it's yeah. like a masculinity femininity I don't know man I feel like it's such a weird thing because a hundred years ago we wouldn't even be questioning these things yes so it's actually brilliant that you're bringing this up into conversation H but mm. it's like a it's a hard one what what is it what is masculinity can you answer and, that I don't well, know can. and that's the whole point is that it's a construction it's like um if you were to just get kids uh, and you like never changed them. Well, hopefully someone would, but you never knew what they had there. And you just said, um, play. And you had like various toys and games and things to entertain them. And they were just playing. Is there going to be something innate that would make a child go, all right, you know, look, I've just looked between my legs and that means I want to play with the truck. And that means that I want to act out Kung Fu and the girl's going to go, all right, okay, well, yeah, yeah. I like pink. That's not that's not how we are as human beings. There are things that get passed on epigenetically. That means there might be some things that, you know, based on biological sex, we're going to be like tending towards. But as human beings, we're largely more similar than we realize. Yeah, and that yeah. external process of shaping us is what the world does. Things that we become accustomed to through socialization, that process that says this is the way it's supposed to be. We take it on and sometimes we do things that don't even suit us, that, you know, something really hurts. I remember um, I remember watching um, Coach Carter uh, with um, Proof and Rest and we're like... I think they'd probably kind of told before that I'd watch certain films and it would kind of get to me. Um, and I remember on that occasion, they're like, so like, why are you crying though? <laughs> um, but yeah. just, just that kind of thing of- Why are you so emotional right now? Yeah. But the thing where I kind of felt, well, I was kind of okay with kind of, you know, showing my emotions, but I knew that they were okay. So I felt I had to be a particular way in relation to them and you that's what i'm like, trying okay, to get so to maybe i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't because maybe they might feel like i'm weak and i don't want to be a father that feels weak etc etc yeah now i'll boot my eyes out you know? <laughs> like, no, trust me 
cry, I cry regularly at movies and films. Not like, but like tears or drip, and I'm like, oh, I'm filled with something deep. This, yeah, hey, and I yeah. must guess it's, com- it's more complex for you with a child than with me or my girlfriend because this is always like, Why are you crying? I'm not, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, still, it's still the same thing about how we limit ourselves, not based on what we feel, but sometimes the expectations that others have of us. And that's the bit that kind of really interested me about the scenario in that flat or a lot of what we're talking about is if people were to just be themselves without those constraints of, you know, I don't mean like, you know, bad people go out there and do bad things. I just kind of mean to just express whoever you are. Mm. Um, I kind of think that's, yeah, where we can really grow and thrive. So a question I've got to ask you this is, does that vulnerability help you in writing your music? 100%. 100%. 100%. But it's going well, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, one of the questions that came to me was whether or not um, you think that vulnerability that you're talking about and being able to access more, whether that helps with your writing, is it relevant to your music? I think that... I think that without being vulnerable I wouldn't have access to the emotions that wouldn't have forced me to write I feel like I've mostly written out of therapy and for validity and affirmation and if I didn't feel vulnerable and accepting of my vulnerability I wouldn't be able to write those things if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um which is beautiful in a way because it sometimes gives my pain purpose because then I can share it with people and people go, me too, man. Mm. And everything's like, you're not alone. And then after doing that one time, you know that rah, all of this stuff that's going on in my head, which every person has, every human living is going through. Mm. If I can somehow transform that into words and share it and get told by others, man, thank you for that, or I needed that, or me too. Every single time I I feel something else that's tough, I know that I have a kind of, it doesn't help, as in like, doesn't help with the deeper trauma or pain, but then I know that I can transform it into a way which I can get some validity and know that it had purpose, which is beautiful, but also painful. Do you know what I mean? It's a weird one. So basically, I'm okay with vulnerability, I guess. So what you seem okay with as well is talking about mental health. So, you know, a few minutes ago you were saying about like, okay, you know, your mental health still goes up and down and you kind of you know, talk about it as a process of engaging with with something. Um, you yeah. use the word mental health. Um, so I'm not kind of digging into like yet the details of it, but more just like, you know, what is mental health to you in a world where a lot of people don't even feel comfortable with those words coming out of their mouth in relation to themselves. It's a it's a tough one because, like, how do you how do you describe your inner journey of, mm. to anybody ever? Um, and to put it into a box of mental health, it's it's yeah it's still a box, you know what I mean? I just know what it's like to feel really up one day, really down one day, really confused one day, 
really lazy one day, really energetic one day, which is just all human emotions. Um, but when you start getting disassociated or suicidal or depressed or like that's that to me uh, is a is a thing that occurs to me reasonably regularly like a few times a year a small thing can trigger me and i can spend a week in bed if you know what i mean um but the thing with understanding it and being aware of it is that throughout the years of my growth when it first occurred to me, it was an abyss. I was just fell into it. I was like, this is the end. Um, but every time I know that I bounce back a little higher, whenever it happens now, it's still really tough. And I allow myself to switch off for a few days and not be good with my phone or just get away from the world or whatever. But it's still really hard, but it's more okay because I know it's just a phase. But my mental health is different to other people's mental mental health. I know some of my friends that have lost the plot essentially, or some people who have. Every mental health is different essentially. Mm-hmm. Every person's health is different. Physical health is different. If you relate yeah. to that, it's it's, yeah. it's such a vast, massive thing that we can't even try to conceptualize. Mm-hmm. But the understanding that everyone is going through a different journey is where you create a kind of empathy or. Uh, if I can feel this low, then that person can feel this low. If I can feel this happy, then that person can feel this happy. And then you kind of build an understanding between human to human. And that's where I think you can become a good person and show love and understand the world, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, as someone who loves you and like cares about you, it's like, these words aren't surprising but when i hear them they still um they still rest heavy yeah. um on me because yeah you know for I mean, reasons we've been talking about this for years you've 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 saved me a couple of times man oh, you were, you were yeah. le- legit you just like been alongside you why we're still in contact you're literally in my eyes one of the angels that has mm-hmm. came into my life and had a heavy positive impact in my life mm-hmm and brought me out you know when you get when you're really really dark mm. and someone just takes you in that moment and just randomly you get this Ooh. that's been you twice do you know what i mean oh, well man. so much love for you bro but anyway that's, that's <laughs> yeah. no no that's that's good but um yeah moving on but no, no i mean fa- <laughs> thank you I mean, like I think- that is, uh, <laughs> wow wow and i'm gonna leave this in as well because we're being we're being so authentic you know it's as like listen to you thinking you know a lot of people on the series you know academics and not that you're not but like our academics and you know they're kind of bringing ideas and theories and we're having a conversation that's so engaging because it's so real not that that isn't real but the humanity in there and when you spoke about like people's internal world and i thought about what happens with the psychiatric system so i've kind of worked in it i'm in contact with it a lot and how it can be easy to see like a diagnosis and to kind of have a sense of right okay this is what's going on for someone and just a very clear reminder Mm. as you just that everybody's experience is so different and so unique and unless literally you're inside it and there's only one person that can be can you then know? you don't you don't know it's so, so yeah. to, 
it's a it was it was it, it's like the idea my friend said to me the other day this idea of Plato's cave have you heard of that no and Plato's cave it was crazy I was in the studio with Cam and James Newman he was like man I'm gonna miswear this now and sound like an idiot something of the idea that light comes into a cave from the back and you as a man see your shadow of the world through the light going through the cave so you create your own, your own uh reality your own idea of the world through the where the light's coming from and where you are and mm-hmm. and and the shadow of it and then through that that's what you think that that is life mm-hmm. but actually is so much faster and everyone has their own view of light and their own different shadows and but i'm wedding it really badly but mm-hmm. players came with the idea that every single person has no idea what reality is because everyone's reality is different essentially yes you know, it's the yeah. idea so yeah. it's so much vaster so my only real reality is love and me understanding like i'm looking yeah. at you through a screen but i'm looking in your eyes i'm like yeah. i know you and i know it's safe yeah. and i know there's truth there and i know there's there was a story that's been 50 31 years <laughs> 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 of life and wisdom and growth and like me too and like that's my truth and you know what i'm saying that yeah. Yeah, and I don't and, know. I can go crazy. I can go crazy because I can't understand this. I can't. Believe, I can't understand that I'm on a sphere in infinite time and space, trying to work out my day to day things. But what I can understand is when I share a moment with a friend and I feel warm and safe, and feel purpose. Do you know what I mean? And what you actually said there is an important. There's like everything you're saying is important. And in my ears, I was kind of hearing this thing of. Um, often the disciplines that I work with in mental health or any other sector often think that they're working with someone to try and understand their reality but like you know your idea of Plato's cave and like you know, everybody's got their own reality is that and I always say this in unconscious bias depending on who we are we see or hear something different so it isn't a neutral say I was a professional assessing you I'm not just assessing you i am bringing my reality which is unique to just me into that process of assessing you which is why you know one of the theories i talk about like toxic interaction theory and i keep the word interaction in there to kind of emphasize that when we come in as professionals into that space with someone who might be using services that an interaction is going on we are not performing a function on another because as you say we're bringing our particular version of reality reality into it this is it well i guess the reason why this even matters is because we have to try and kind of fit into a system Mm. and if you have people that are nutty that don't have help Mm. or medication in society which would have occurred if we hadn't built towards a system that kind of suits the majority then there would be more chaos so essentially we are working towards like you said the therapist's way of guiding someone towards well, I think it is, but then do we want to live in chaos? <laughs> is the question. So no, that's a real profound one, isn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, what we do is we guide people to a norm, which yeah. isn't even that great. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is a norm? This is the thing. What is a norm? Yeah. What is normal? Yeah. No, it's crazy. Bit, yeah. So, yeah, Sammy, um, last question before we're done. I'm aware that you are doing kind of, or have been doing work with asylum seekers and refugees. How did you get into that line of work or that interest anyway? 
Okay, yeah. See, so I was with um, I was really, I was working with Reading Youth Theatre when I was younger, and uh, the people that ran that started working actively with some kids that have come over from various different countries: Eritrea, Syria, Afghanistan, um, Albania, even, um, and working with kids in London that had hadn't had a response from the home office that were put into kind of accommodation kids under 18 that were put into accommodation in london um and these people that i used to work with and we've done various different plays about different kind of political situations example we went to the edinburgh finch festival and did a play about this palestinian situation etc um they were now work. these guys were now work phosphorus theater name they were working with these with these kids in london and they asked me if i could come and do a workshop on spoken word so of course i was completely happy to do that but these kids i think they wanted someone that was a bit younger male that could kind of fit in with i don't know their bracket of society a little bit um because they've just come in and got straight mixed in with london the hood essentially and um, we did a few spoken word workshops, got to know them well, and they kind of built a play around it, which they've gone and done at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, traveled around, it's done really, really well. It's called Dear Home Office by um, okay. Phosphorus Theatre, it's really sick. Mm. But it was literally just from my friends at Reading New Theatre, mm. Kate Duffy, um, Dawn and Liam, who had contacted me and said, will you come and spend the day? Mm. Um, that opened that door for me. It mm. it was just because I had spoken word knowledge and they knew that I would connect with them. And okay. So many doors. But because my dad's an immigrant, mm. my mum's an immigrant, I obviously, my heart was connected to it deeply. So I was straight in and we made, uh, yeah, it helped where I could and made amazing memories and friendships. Which oh, nice. is really important. Um, since then, I've just been way more aware of the situation mm. and been at protest and being involved where I can be. Maybe I could be involved more, but do you know what I mean? It's just opened a door in my mind as well as through through friendships and, and moments. Do you get me? Yeah, and I mean that to me that's kind of really important because the way in which immigrants are spoken about um often is like negative. The dominant discourse, as I say, is like of problems, problematic discourses and um you know it's kind of just really interesting to you know talk to people who've got empathy and care and love um and you know i always say that with the global pandemic if all the so-called immigrants or the kids of immigrants were to just walk out of the nhs right now um we'd Wait, be in a state you know 100 percent, man 100 percent. there's another story that could be told yeah but yeah i'm aware of time and um, okay. yeah, I'm really grateful for you kind of jumping onto this podcast and yeah, really, uh, really enjoyed. It's just, uh, just the way it just kind of flowed and yeah, some really deep conversations, man. Yeah, well, likewise, I'm just grateful to see your face. I miss yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, likewise, man. As I yeah. keep saying, it's been a minute. Like, I just can't wait until the world opens up and... Yeah, we can yeah. talk and we can see each other properly. But yeah, it's been yeah. also it's been lovely just to vent about certain things that maybe I wouldn't have discussed in lockdown. So this is nice, man. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. Thank you so much, Sammy Switch. Thank you, man. <laughs> right. Big love, bro. Big All love. Right. 
as you can see, I really enjoyed that conversation with Sammy. Um, Sammy and I, as you know, are good friends, and it was just great to see someone so young developing a consciousness and awareness of social injustice and finding ways inside and outside of his go-to profession to engage with activism. Sammy, uh, you know, explored ideas around the kind of inequalities faced by refugees, as well as exploring his own mental health and acting um, as a motivator for many other people, really, by being so open and transparent with his own discoveries. Um, it's a, a real pleasure to continue to work alongside and be friends with Sammy, and um, I hope you enjoyed. I encourage you to search out the other episodes of the Season of the Reasoning podcast on your favourite platform. <laughs>